But I also wanted to talk about the real estate industry uh, here in Vancouver. It looms large. I've always joked without the real estate industry, we'd have nothing to talk about at Vancouver dinner party. So it's very important to keep an eye out uh, um, in regards to the industry itself. It's not just a case of paying our mortgage right here and now. It's also about livability and making sure we continue to build housing as well. Now, there has been there have been reports in the past. CMHC had one in April talking about home building in Canada slowing down just as policymakers are trying to pick up the pace uh, that it's uh, CMHC at the time said that um, developers were more cautious about building new project. At the same time, those higher interest rates were driving up costs for builders as well. So there's a lot of churn in the industry, lots of concern as well as one would expect. Joining me now to talk a little bit about uh, housing in the medium and long term here in our city and some of the challenges before the industry is Andrew Ramlow. He's Vice President of Advisory Services for Rennie Group. Andrew, welcome. Thanks for having me down again, Jess. Yeah, thank you so much for coming in. And, and just, uh, we're not going to talk, I don't want to spend more time talking about the interest rate hike, but I do want to ask you just overall broadly uh, for the industry, when you hear something like that announced today, what is that, how does that resonate within the industry in your mind? Oh, and uh, it resonates on two fronts. One from the potential, uh, not home, just homeowners, but householders, the, the cost of, uh, of either owning or renting a home for that matter. Uh, and my heart goes out to everybody right now in terms of the, that segment of increasing costs. Uh, but then also on the other side, in terms of uh, the cost to actually build and add it, uh, the financing side of it is becoming increasingly complex uh, and more expensive. And unfortunately, even before this rate, increase, we had seen a whole handful of rental, purpose-built rental projects that had been put on hold uh, purely as a result of financing, um, just because of the increasing costs there. And so unfortunately, we're going to put a bit of a kink into uh, the supply of that much-needed purpose-built rental stock that was coming online. So from from your sense, sense of, from you, is that when you're, developers today are just, whatever they are holding, they're holding, they're not looking for new properties. And in regards to building, actually building, which means higher interest rates you've got to deal with, uh, probably labor challenges, as we're, they're always dealing with as well, yep. and the costs of that labor, uh, this is not a good time in regards to the supply question for Vancouver. Yeah, I, I would say uh, agreed. Uh, supply, as you had said, has been coming down, uh, unfortunately. So that's in on the completions side of things. But th- I guess a, a little bit of uh, sunlight or uh, some uh, silver lining is the number of s- building starts are actually coming up as well. And those starts will be completions in two and three years. Mm-hmm. But it takes time to actually build them. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know if I'd say that this would be a bad time for developers to buy land. Everybody, the developers are always looking to uh, to buy land. It all just depends on what they can get it for. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yes, in terms of the financing side, it's increasingly challenging uh, in terms of the construction cost side of things. We saw almost a 13% increase in, uh, in construction costs last year. Uh, and then... The labor side of things, definitely. Um, it's very challenging to, uh, to staff a construction site right now. Does the industry... Uh, uh Except, uh, except maybe not be the right word. Understand the need for more rentals, and I mean, it is a you know for many years we did rentals uh, because of the federal federal government being fully involved. The provincial government, federal government, got out of the business of of, of rentals in many cases, affordable housing. Uh, is that shift occurring within the industry? Do they see the need to, to build more? Most definitely, yes. The challenge right now, though, is that the financing environment has put them all on hold. And from a developer side of things, the pro formas, the math behind actually running these projects because of where rents are uh, and the financing. 
existing rates combined with high land costs and construction costs, they, they just don't make sense to do. So at that point, what we are looking or what the industry needs to look to is other sources of, uh, of funding, whether that be the federal government or the provincial government. Um, and you speak of the period in early, late 1970s, early 1980s, when we added per, a lot of purpose-built rental and social housing. Um, at that point, through the national housing strategy in the late 70s, the federal government guaranteed 2% rates. So the developers or the builders would go out and secure a loan at market rates to build either co-op or nonprofit housing. Uh, and uh, the federal government would backstop it down to 2%. So wow. they provided them certainty and a fixed rate to do it at. There was all kinds of other subsidies that were layered on top of that as well to try and stimulate activity. And it, and it worked. And, and that now is what our affordable rental housing is. And unless we add that now, it doesn't matter at what level. It could be at the mid to higher end of the level. Within a decade and two, that's going to be our affordable housing. Uh, and as a federal government, have you any indication that they're looking to do something like that again? Their involvement in the 19s, like, like their involvement was in the 1970s? You know, it's an interesting one. Uh, some of the conversations that were had early on in the national housing strategy conversations, this was pre-COVID. Yes, there was some indications. Um, the housing accelerator fund that is being um, put in place by CMHC is looking to provide funding, but they haven't gone so far, to my knowledge, to say that we're going to look at purely this financing aspect of it, mm-hmm. and to uh, to guarantee rates in terms of construction financing. We're talking about the federal government. On the provincial side, you know, you still have to go to City Hall. That's the, the mm-hmm. government that, that oh, approves yeah. everything. And uh, are, has there been a... Is it better now, or is it the same in regards to the bureaucracy uh, at City Hall for getting projects through? Have things improved? I would say generally, you know, in (laughs) talking about this stuff for the last 20 years, yes, uh, it has improved. I've been part of conversations with the provincial government, federal government, as well as municipal governments recently. And it seems like all levels of government are on the same page in terms of needing to do something. Everybody's just trying to figure out what their levers are and how they can influence that. Mm -hmm. And from the municipal level, what they're saying is um, they need processes and procedures, something like digitization of building permits, uh, digitization of applications. Um, But internally for the departments, that means a rationalization of a whole bunch of things like different zoning codes uh, to be able to streamline a lot of that. But those conversations are being had. And I'd like to think that uh, in the relatively short term, that some of those will come to fruition and we'll see uh, an easier supply of of housing coming to market. We are speaking to Andrew Ramel, Vice President of Advisory Services for Rennie Group. We're talking about Vancouver's real estate uh, market, uh, ever-changing and and, uh, certainly a challenge like many markets uh, because of the rate hike uh, that we heard of today, of course, and we're at 5% now. Um, Andrew, let's talk a little bit about just our location. We're surrounded by water, border, mountains. Uh, how do you unlock more land? Yeah, this is the million-dollar question. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it, we certainly have some plots within the city of Vancouver that could can be or are being unlocked. And I think of uh, Jericho Lands, False Creek Flats, although it's predominantly jobs-based right now, I'd, I'd love to see a proposal to uh, to incorporate some housing to go along with all the jobs down there. Yeah. Uh, Sanok Lands as well. Uh, so yeah, there, there's certainly some opportunity to unlock land, a larger scale 
bits of land. But I think one of the other ones that we need to look at is just the existing stock of housing. And uh, you look at uh, the number of empty bedrooms in uh, empty nester households uh, throughout the city, and uh, there's certainly uh, some opportunity to not necessarily unlock land, but to unlock some housing and some capacity to add housing. Um, so I, I think, uh, yeah, we look to the big lots, uh, the big plots, uh, potentially adding some significant number of people. Mm-hmm. But then again, back to the notion of some, some gentle density and uh, uh, some diversity of housing types. Mm-hmm. We need to unlock some of that within our So it's probably transitioning some baby boomers who've been in that home, raised their families, oh, yeah. and helping them find a, a place where they're comfortable living. So that single family home that they're living in and those bedrooms are empty. Yep can be used uh, in, in a more valuable way. Well, and some of that is a thin edge of the wedge. I know my parents were in the house that we grew up in with empty bedrooms for a good number of years, and they weren't necessarily tied to the bricks and mortar of the house. It was a community that they wanted to stay within. Yeah. And in suburban Ottawa, well, there just wasn't any opportunity for them to downsize. And so I think that, again, to, to start that, that maybe that gentle density and adding some density to the communities throughout the city uh, will allow that transition to happen over time. Do you buy the whole, let's put six units on one single family lot? Uh, you know, our callers are very astute. They get very practical too. Well, Jazz, what about, uh, you know, the, the sewer upgrades that are needed and, and more importantly, the parking, right? Parking, yeah. Now, is that feasible? Is that still one of those ideas that look great on paper, but in real life, you can't, we won't be able to really implement that? Oh, no, I think we'll be able to implement it. And, and again, to... to uh, put a little bit finer point on it. I think the six units was for the larger lots as well, right? So mm-hmm. they're not looking at cramming six units on a 33-footer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, But yeah, parking is certainly always an issue. And uh, the whole infrastructure capacity issue has certainly come up. And that was uh, in t- terms of some of the uh, upzoning along Canby. That was the reason why some of that was on hold was because they needed to upgrade the infrastructure. So that's certainly there. But no, I, I think it is certainly feasible uh, and, and desired. Again, it's that sort of that I don't really like the term, but that missing middle housing uh, mm-hmm. in terms of the the middle density um, or mid rise or low rise. It's it's something that somebody can still have a little bit of grass and maybe a Mr. Turtle pool or a sandbox outside for the kids, which is important. <laughs> now, increasingly, I, I hear this term. I'm pro immigration, but uh, <laughs> and it's, and it's somehow we're really fixed fixated on the 500,000 Canadians Im- immigrants that will move to this country in 2025. Right now we're at about 420, 460 around there. Yep. Uh, and I hear it from immigrants too, by the way. It's not sure. just for those who are native born here. People are just looking around going, wow, that's a lot of people coming. Where are they all going to live? Um, is this doable? I mean, we used to have these debates when 225,000 people in the 1990s were coming. Yep. They were debating immigration. And now we're double. Yep. Now we're double. Like, I think this is a legitimate issue. As an immigrant, I say this. Where are these people going to live? Is there a moment where we're fundamentally disconnected for labor that we need to housing we don't have? Oh, I'd say we already are disconnected. And this is, uh, I think, a a pitfall of the federal immigration policy right now and them increasing the targets, rightfully so, to try and backstop the aging of the post-World War II boom Mm -hmm. uh, into retirement so that we make sure that we can still fund the healthcare and the Canada Pension Plan. Mm -hmm. So it warranted in that context. But what it didn't come along with was a parallel policy to say, we need housing for all these people that we're going to bring in. Yeah. And so I think that is a real shortcoming of, of the federal immigration policy right now. And the, But that being said, as part of the National Housing Strategy conversations we had a decade ago, that was brought up. 
And it was widely recognized around the table that, yep, this is going to be an issue. And unfortunately, it just, there's been no policy that's come alongside it. Yeah. Uh, and, and now, uh, like anything, the longer you wait, the harder it is to catch up. And we've got a lot of catch up to do. When you look at the numbers last year, I think we were just talking um, during the commercial break, a million people moved here to Canada last year. Well, yeah, it was a million population growth is what Stats Canada yeah. reported. And there was about 430,000 people. Uh, permanent residents, so mm-hmm. immigrants, uh, and then somewhere in the range of just over 600,000 non-permanent residents. And so that's a combination of uh, temporary foreign workers, so people on like provincial nominee program or the international mobility program, uh, and students. Um, and when we dig down into the data, it's about split 50-50 between worker permits and student permits. Mm-hmm. So that's a whole other source of, uh, of housing demand that's n- not talked about as much as the 500,000 in terms of the permanent residents, but it has a real implication on the ground in terms of uh, available housing. So uh, when it comes to those students, then, uh, is it a a question we need at least debate and discuss that we maybe need less international students coming to this country that that may be the way we to go or we just build more housing what i mean um if if we are going to say that uh, we're going to accept less foreign students then there's got to be a, a further conversation about well how do we hold tuition rates for locals down and because that's the reason why in large part the post secondary institutions are are seeking those international students is so that they can keep our, for me, full disclosure, I'm a white Canadian kid, um, to keep my tuition low. Um, So unless we go and change that model, then okay, maybe, but we do need to add more housing and some of that onus needs to fall on the shoulders of the post-secondary institutions. Mm -hmm. Final question, and and it's a a big picture one. You always hear people saying, well, the market's got to correct in Vancouver. There's got to be a big drop. The, 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 the cost is too high for the average salary. We've never had a massive drop in real estate in my time that I first moved here to Vancouver in the, in the early 1990s. Even now, sales may be down, but prices have really not been impacted in, in any meaningful way. Uh, do you see anything changing anytime soon? <laughs> it may, maybe, unfortunately, not. It, yeah. it, you know, it, it's challenging out there, and you're right. The, we've seen prices come up, uh, but again, it's a function of supply and demand. Uh, we've seen the inventory out there being record lows in terms of our, our last decade average, and sales uh, sales are still below average, but they fall well above what the available supply is. So, uh, unfortunately, I, I see continued upward pressure on prices unless we add a really significant amount of supply or we come across some kind of economic catastrophe. Mm-hmm. Andrew, uh, always good to see you. Thank you for coming in. It is a complex business, so many variables, and uh, you cleared up and, and, and articulated it so very well. I've heard, heard you at conferences as well. I look forward to having you on in the fall. I think we should do this on a semi-regular basis just to give us a snapshot, especially with the interest rates, where they're going. And we have no idea where they're going to go over the next year. So, We'd uh, love to, Jazz. Thank you so much.